Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, we've finally arrived. We have. We took a week off because, you know, I had to do work things like take eight high schoolers to Pensacola and try not to murder them for an entire week. Or let them murder each other. Right, that too. That's, that's I, big. I almost let them. Man, like we went swimming at the beach and uh, there was a yellow, ta- yellow flag out. Should have probably been red. I almost just let them get sucked out to sea. Almost. I was this. I was. I was this close. This close. But their parents told me they wanted them back. They didn't pay me enough to leave them there. So. Mm-hmm. Oh man! But a lot's gone on in this past week, hasn't it? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This what is this the end of the first session of SCOTUS uh, with uh, Amy Coney Barrett? Yes. Yes. Yep. And yep. That's um, I think yeah, the first full session. And from what I could tell. It has not gone the way the Democrats thought it would. They haven't overturned Obamacare, and they had a choice. They had a chance to because they had a case come through California versus Texas, in which they probably could have ruled that that Obamacare is unconstitutional. And instead, it was a seven two de- seven two decision. I believe is right. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of the conservative uh, justices, conservative justices, cited on the the other side, but they gave their own opinions and such. Um, but yeah, SCOTUS is not uh, acting the way that the uh, that the Democrats said said they would with Trump packing the courts. Well, remember, you know, we had all the doom and gloom. You know, it was doom and gloom. Oh my goodness! You know, they put it's funny, right? So Amy Coney Barrett, Roman Catholic, very devout, very faithful, mm-hmm. and and they hate it. They hated mm-hmm. it. They hated it. They hated it. Joe Biden, Roman Catholic, don't give a shit about theology. Right. They love the guy. Did you see I I think I sent you that link, but that there's a that there's an actual like letter going around that's signed by some of the bishops of the Catholic Church saying that they won't commune the Biden administration uh because of their views on abortion. Yep. You know, imagine imagine if they decide to excommunicate him. Oh my goodness! How awesome would that be? Well, it would just—it would just show that it would just show that the uh, that maybe the Pope has more of a backbone than we thought he did, because he's been pretty liberal with some of his ideals uh, that he's come out with. Is uh, what's that word? Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. But his like his uh, policies that he's come out with from the from the Vatican. Oh, sure. But but this would show that like. You take you you excommunicate the leader of the free world because of his views on abortion, like, and the views on a bunch of other things. Like, that's that's sending the signal, man. That's sending the signal. I mean, when was the last time any major world leader who was a Roman Catholic was excommunicated? Right. I, I mean, papal bull and all. Right. I mean, I guess Henry VIII did it to himself. Yeah. Um, the princes in Germany, they kind of just allowed it to happen when they supported Luther. But like, but yeah, I don't think anybody's ever done it. um, Had it done to them, they've removed themselves. Right. Uh, Ironically is, is if the, um, 
if the president were to ever be, if that were to happen and the media were to ask him, his only response would probably be, well, that's a private matter and just right. walk away. Right. Yeah. Because or, he has nothing to say. Yeah. Or he'd get like really, really mad and yell at them. I don't know. He did that once already. But he does that a lot. He does. It happens to see how old men every now and then they lose their temper. But we're not here to talk and make fun of the president. He does that for himself. Um, but it's just, I really am impressed with, uh, with SCOTUS and like how they're actually looking at the constitution and using the constitution as their rule, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Instead of looking at it from the, um, from the eyes of how they vote, but looking at it from the eyes of what our forefathers, um, wrote and put forth for us so that we can, can, so we can, um, continue on as a nation right right uh let's see you know we were talking about recently specifically right you know we had the uh the case of fulton right versus the city of philadelphia right which is a huge win um for private social services mm-hmm. or our or, or, uh nonprofit social services or Christian social services or really any religious social service, because I don't know of one religion uh, that looks favorably upon um, homosexuality. Um, And this Fulton versus Philadelphia was Catholic service, Catholic social services of Philadelphia was not placing foster kids into same sex uh, couples houses because it didn't go along with their theology and with their doctrine. And so they sued the city of Philadelphia because they stopped giving them foster kids or allowing them to place them. And mm-hmm. SCOTUS, I think that was a nine zero vote. I'm not oh, sure. Totally. Yep. Yeah. It totally was unanimous. A, nine, a unanimous vote um, to allow, to say, no, Philadelphia, you're wrong. Um, now I was listening to Ted Cruz talk about it and he said that, they could change some wording in the contract that the city of Philadelphia has with Catholic social services that would render this void. But um, that was due to the, of how the justices gave their opinion, how justice um, uh, Thomas gave his, his um, chief justice gave his opinion. Um, So, but it was still, it's a big win because it sets a precedent that we, that, the Catholic social services or social services of uh, Christian denominations don't have to place foster kids in same-sex houses if they disagree with that choice in their, those people's lives. Right. And I I believe they used what they used the free exercise clause, Mm -hmm. right? Was their citation there? Right. And okay. Roberts, Roberts did author the majority. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. John, not Thomas. Don't know what I'm thinking. It'd be great if he was Chief Justice, though. Right, right. Um, so yeah, that's impre- that that was a big win. Um, they didn't. What was it? California versus Texas about the Obamacare. They cited seven two in favor of Obamacare, but yep. that's a whole that's a whole mess. Which which really had to slap the uh, Democrats in the face because they they. Sh- they probably thought that that was going to be the end of Obamacare because Amy Coney Barrett was supposed to come in and ruin it all for everybody. So they so, said. So and they said. The, the other big case was a cat was the academy case with the um, people the uh, victims from the shooting the church shooting out 
in San Antonio um, a couple years ago that said the Academy couldn't be sued uh, for selling the person a gun. Uh, because but was that Texas Supreme Court? Oh, was that Texas Supreme Court? My bad. It might have been Texas Supreme Court on that one, but still a big, a big ruling for Second at Second Amendment and um, people uh, and gun manufacturers and companies that sell guns because um, it was actually a a mishap on uh, by the federal government, which who who would have thought the federal government would have screwed something up? Um, but yeah, because the guy shouldn't have been able to buy a weapon in the first place. Uh, but right. they didn't. They didn't have it in the in the archives, you know. So, you know, I think the other you know recently we've seen. Uh, I think one of the hallmarks of this session of the Supreme Court has been the numerous um, rulings that have been unanimous. You know, even even one of them being uh, against illegal aliens. Right. It's been incredible. Right. Yeah. Um, that that they've been so um, unified in their decisions. I think I think part of that is they're also sending a message as as an institution that, um, you know, this whole talk about packing the court or re- restructuring it is is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It would it would te- it would take away the um, the checks and balances that we have, which have been slowly being eroded away as it is with like the direct election of senators and uh, you know the non election of vice presidents, things like that. Um, but yeah, it's been slowly being eroded away. Oh, executive orders, you know, only like a thousand of them signed in the first like month of some of these past or some of these. Um, presidents being in office mm-hmm. things like that the um what else the uh homeland security act you know things like that yeah fine our freedoms are just slowly being eroded away it's okay but That's it right. is but i think the next session is going to say a lot on what these justices stand for because there's a big abortion case coming up um in the next session and that then will be a big deal there's one other big case coming up. I think it's a gun rights one. Uh, it's coming up in the next session. So that will really determine w- how these justices are going to um, move forward, I think. So, and we'll, well, I think that's where we might start to see um, their party lines come out. So, yeah, or at least their ideological lines. Right, right. Um, I don't, I don't always like to think of them as party lines, but. Mm. Uh, ideologically, you know how they how they view the Constitution. Mm-hmm. You know, are they on the side of living Constitution? Are they on the side of you know being textualists and originalists? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll you'll start to see that, mm-hmm. um, of course, but it will be interesting. Yeah, I it- think I think this session has proven proven that they are they're working together. Yeah. Right. They're they're studying the Constitution. They're studying mm-hmm. precedent and and trying to make good decisions. I may not agree with everything, but at least they're know. at least they're doing their due diligence. Like, which sure. I feel like hasn't been being done in the last several years. I feel like the due diligence wasn't being done. I feel like a lot of the justices were probably just citing on whatever they thought that uh, would keep 
their political party happy, you know? Well, I, th- I think there was, we certainly had some things go down, even with the great Scalia still alive. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially when it came to uh, Obergefell and all these things, we weren't ruling rightly. We were ruling not by my, by political party, but rather, uh, some of those justices were really being bent by the cultural shifts in the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that really swayed how they viewed and cited. Uh, and of course it, it, it has cost us. I mean, here, well, here we are the very last day of gay pride month, or I guess it's pride month. I guess it encompasses everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but queer, uh, queer trans, Asexual, bisexual, uh, intersexual, bi- intersexual, binary. Uh, what's what's the other ones I'm missing? I don't know. There's so many of them. There's so many of. Them. I can't remember them all. I've football's tried- gay. Football's gay. That's right. Um, <laughs> speaking of football being gay, Carl Nassib comes out as gay, and the, all the liberals are like, "Oh my gosh, you're gay. We love you." And then it turns out he votes Republican. Like, we hate you. How could you do this to yourself? You know, right. I'm just like, right. This makes just makes no sense. So because because his his sexual preference has everything to do with his politics. Exactly. Right. 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 That that matters. I was like, I feel like, uh, I feel like I feel like some like some of my favorite people like to talk to you are like conservative lesbians because they're just they're hilarious. <laughs> I tell you what, conservative lesbians are gun toting, constitution loving people. They are. They are. They're just like. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious. Saint Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 that the Gentiles are without God in the world and without hope. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller talking about his presentation at the 2021 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. Now that's an amazing statement. It means that to be without God is to be without hope and the corollary to be with God is to have hope. Christians are marked by this. We have hope. And we have hope not only in this life, but we have hope in the life to come. Our Christian hope expands past death, past the last day, even to the resurrection of the body, the new heaven and the new earth where the righteous dwell. We have this extended horizon of hope, and we dwell under that cloud of glory. You can meet and hear Pastor Wolf Miller making the case for Christian hope at this year's Making the Case Conference, Friday, July 23rd, and Saturday, July 24th at Concordia University, Chicago. Find out more and register at issuesetc.org. That he did. And we are looking forward to Sunday morning as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. Oh, let's see here. We're Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six, man. I love Mark. He's so straightforward and to the point. Yeah, not a whole lot of fluff, not a whole lot of 
you know, the spirit with him was just like, get it down. <laughs> get it down so we can have people talking about it. That's right. Uh, so this week in, in the readings, you know, for, uh, you know, for those of you who follow the lectionary, um, it, it, mercy is really a big thing, really kind of summed up here. Uh, in the collect of the day, O God, your almighty power is made known chiefly in showing mercy. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we may be called to repentance and made partakers of your heavenly treasures through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And the first, um, let's see here, the first uh, verse here, the antiphon for the introit, it was Psalm 34, 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Uh, which, uh, I mean, that's very, most most people have heard that verse. You know, it's certainly the first part, you know, taste and see the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. Right? We hear this all the time, you know, uh, whether we refer to the sacrament of Holy Communion, uh, even just to to reference reading the Holy scriptures, mm-hmm. you know, that we would, um, cause we, we pray, you know, that we would inwardly digest them and, mm-hmm. and learn them and that they would be on our hearts. So let's see here. You got it up. I do. You want to read? I'll read. It's a uh, verse one to what again? 13. Verse 1 to 13. Sounds good. Yes, we don't want to have John the Baptist being beheaded today. (laughs) So Mark chapter 6, starting with the first verse. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that that has been given? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He cannot do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. If any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. You know, you would think with all the miracles, all the events, you you would think he'd come to town and CNN and Fox and MSNBC would be there to write up a story about hometown boy does good. <laughs> right. You you would think that's what happened, you know, with their their stone chisels and everything like that, you know. But but the reality is CNN is there. And they are saying he's no good. Right. <laughs> exactly. They're saying he sucks. Uh, 
Like they, they just want to call out all of his all of his like previous things. Like, isn't that the little the little turd who was running around who got left at the temple when he was twelve years old? What is he doing? So so what's interesting about this, I totally cite this as evidence that Mary and Joseph had other children, biological yes. children. Yes. Uh, you know, I know there are some who and even Luther who hold to the idea that that did not happen. But I think here it's very clear because when we read this, it says, you know, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, mm-hmm. the brother of James, you know, Joseph and Judas and Simon, you know, there is this probably understanding of the people, right? He's from his hometown. This is where he's from. This is where he's raised that whether they know all the details or not, mm-hmm. I think they know something's up to the effect that maybe this really isn't Joseph's son. Yes. Yeah. Cause they don't mention, they just say Mary, right? They just say Mary. So, so I think there is something there. So th- there's already this kind of thought or looking down upon this family mm-hmm. because while it's not mentioned, but there's probably some underlying, there's something up with that family. that's fishy to us. Mm-hmm. That's not kosher, mm. right? Uh, therefore, they speak in such a way that, you know, who is he? Mm-hmm. You know, where did he get these things? They are this ragtag, you know, hillbilly clan over here, you know, and that's not even Joseph's son, right? Exactly. So why should uh, we, so why should we listen to him? He's, he is a lowly carpenter from Nazareth. Like, you know, right around here, where I would describe as you know, they would say, "Isn't he just from Pearl River, or ain't he from just like Mississippi or you know, Bay St. Louis? Like, ain't he from? He's not from around here, you right?" Well, he I is so, from around there. Well, but I mean, like he's he's from this little tiny town. You know, he's he's from a um, yeah, he's from a little tiny town that so, means nothing. Like, like he's well, just a carpenter. Thinking, right. Well, they're thinking that that you know he is no he's no better than us. Right. Right, you know, we're all we're all from here. There's nothing special about this place, mm-hmm. and obviously, there's some sort of scandal going on in his family. Right, yeah, because they it's like he looks nothing like his dad, you know, kind of thing. Right, so right, um, so so they immediately start calling out all his flaw, like flaws, if you will, and the fact that he's not an educated man. So where does he get all of this knowledge and wisdom from? Exactly. So exactly, it kind of reminds me of um of acts when Pentecost happens and they're like, how are these gen, how aren't these just like people from Jerusalem? How do they speak all of our language? You know, how are they, you know, they're not smart enough to know these things. Right. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Like you don't, where'd you get this knowledge from? Where'd this wisdom come from? Why, how do you have the power to drive out demons? But I don't, you know, those kind of things. And, and part of it. So this week, the, um, the old Testament lesson is from Ezekiel. Right, and so Ezekiel lives during the time when the Jews are in exile. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, God says, "Well, you're going to go, and you are going to um, you're going to go preach. You're going to go preach to these people who have rebelled against me. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they listen to you or not, you're going to go. And of course, you know later on." If you were to continue to read, obviously he's, um, it's not pomp and circumstance. It's not always welcome with the warm fuzzies. 
so so that you know is um as we come back to Jesus who comes to his hometown you know he's been out doing and and uh you know they have to have heard they have to have heard about some of the things he's done right it's not like this is their first interaction with him mm-hmm. preaching and teaching and doing these things right because I mean, the first miracle had to be in Nazareth, so they they witnessed the first one, right? The, well, the wedding of Cana, the wedding of Cana, yeah. And, so it's not and, like they haven't and heard about it. Gets around, right? Where it gets around, it's not it's not a it's not a. Uh, I mean, it's a large area, but it's people people talk. It travels like they they know if the word wasn't traveling, then there wouldn't be crowds uh, following them around, such as like in the reading last week where uh, the woman with uh, with the illness is healed. Like there's crowds pushing all around him, and the even um, um, Jarius, Jarius, how you say his name, comes Jairus. out. Jairus, there we go. Comes out and wants his daughter healed. You know, they know about him. It's getting around, so the people in Nazareth know who this is, knows or knows what he's doing, and yet they still can't. They're like, like you said, like we're from this place. There's nothing special about here. Why is he get right. to be this and we don't? Vic, it's oh gosh, what's that country song? Um, you're always 17 in your hometown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is what this is. Mm-hmm. They can't look past, like you might have, you kind of mentioned, they can't look past the little boy lost in the temple. Right. Right. He will always be that kid to them. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, um, and your translation used, um, uh, he was amazed. You know, in the ESV, it says, you know, he marveled because of their unbelief. And it's, he obviously knew what was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. He was not unaware. Right. My my bad. Uh, I thought it switches to ESV, but it stayed at NIV. My bad. But. So, uh, so then continuing on, right there at at verse seven. So, so what does he do? He gets the twelve. Right. They've all been called mm-hmm. to be disciples, and now he kind of gives them this authority. You know, he gives them this authority to go and cast out spirits, heal people preach uh, but but th- this is the best part he's just experienced this um right they take offense at him mm-hmm. and so he turns around and says okay you're going to go out and preach but just know that you won't always be welcome right right and so uh when you get further down and this is what i love i i do i i love this because i think a lot of christians need to be reminded of this sometimes uh, and if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off your dust from your feet as mm-hmm. a testimony against them. Brush up, brush the dust off your feet. Move on. You've done what you've been commanded to do. Mm-hmm. That, that's all you can do. Right. It, it, is, it, is, it is putting everything about faith and it's... Um, creation and it's it's molding it's all on god mm-hmm. it's not on what, you right and that's what it's showing like you have done like, like you said you have done what i've asked you to do move on mm-hmm. the whole you have planted the seed let us work on it you know let god work on it let the triune god work on it and build that belief in their hearts mm-hmm. so and it's and it's not like they weren't like it's not like they weren't performing miracles and such like that, that people were seeing the greatness of God and the power that uh, comes with the faith that they have been given that they're preaching about and teaching about. Um, so 
if they don't believe, shake off your dust and move on. Because there are people, right. there are other people out there who have not yet heard the word, have not yet heard the gospel, have not heard about the Messiah. So move on with your life. And it, it's also a don't fret. Mm-hmm. Don't fret over it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because because God is merciful. Mm-hmm. He he shows that mercy over and over again. And it's not for us to distort. And we don't want to pervert it right in such a way that we uh, we get too caught up in in the law. Yeah. Which I feel like so, a, I feel like a lot of people do get too caught up in the in the law, especially nowadays with the like the virtue signaling that's going on even amongst the LCMS churches with whether or not to wear a mask and mask mandates, vaccinations, things like that. Totally. You know, or uh, we practice this. We we practice close to communion, and we practice this. We practice closed communion. Like people are just like like. Well, we're better than better than you because we allow more people in the communion than you do. Like like those kind of things, you know. And um, which, if you read our doctrine and read what Christ says, then you should be prepared for communion, or else you're eating to the detriment, eating and drinking to the detriment of yourself. Um, exactly. So with that, like, but like you see that even now, like, um, yeah, I blanked on where I was going. So that sucks. But nonetheless, we have the spirit, right? We have the spirit and we have God's mercy. Right. And so finishing off of the introit Psalm, it pulls from Psalm 132 for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints with shout, will shout for joy. You know, we all look to forward to that day when we are united in that sign, and then certainly the day of resurrection when there will be the new heavens and new earth. Mm -hmm. So we leave you this week. Our hymn of the day is a, is a lovely, lovely text from Johann Hermann, Hermann, uh, born Austria. And I'll, I'll read you the, uh, the first, I'll read you all it. Why not? Oh, Christ, our true and only light, enlighten those who sit in night. Let those afar now hear your voice, and your fold with us rejoice. Fill with the radiance of your grace the souls now lost in error's maze. Enlighten those whose inmost minds some dark delusion haunts and blinds. O gently call those gone astray, that they may find the saving way. Let every conscience sore oppressed and you find peace and heavenly rest. Shine on the darkened and cold. Recall the wonders to your fold, wanderers to your fold. Unite all those who walk apart. Confirm the weak and doubting heart, that they with us may evermore such grace with wondering thanks adore, and endless praise to you be given by all your church in earth and heaven. 
follow us on Instagram at LGBP underscore podcast and go leave us a five star review on whatever podcast platform you listen on. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the LGBP podcast. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.